I hit a car in front of me and nobody else was hurt but and I don't sadly I don't remember any of this because I was in a blackout in this latest episode of grieving out loud I'm joined by 52 year old Norma who was a recipient of an Emily's Hope Treatment Scholarship. Norma is a mother of five and a grandmother who didn't start drinking until she was 35 years old. But alcohol overtook her life. I had grown up in a home that didn't ever have any alcohol in it. I never drank until I was 35 years old. And um, within a year, I had found myself to be completely addicted to alcohol. And I would have never ever thought, if somebody would have told me 20 years ago, you're gonna have an an issue with alcoholism, I would have said, you're absolutely crazy. Um, But I I was very um, uneducated when it came to alcohol use. Um, Again, like I said, because I had never ever used alcohol or drank alcohol before, it started out very innocently, you know, nice dinners, nice drinks. Um, I had a job at the time that was extremely um, stressful, and um, the person that I was seeing at that time, you know, started to come over more in the evenings, and we'd have a, a drink or two that was, you know, not at a restaurant or a social setting, but at home, and then pretty soon it was three and four and five drinks I was having a night, and pretty soon, like I said, within a year, I found myself drinking during the day. Um, at my job, um, drinking all the time. It affected every aspect of my life. I mean, I couldn't uh, obviously effectively work because I had been drinking, and so um, things at work started to, you know, kind of fall apart. Um, At home, I I remember one time um, my significant other and I, we were going to go to a play in Milwaukee that we'd been waiting to see, and uh, he came home to me, passed out on the bathroom floor, Obviously not able then to go to this this event that we had wanted to, so it was really ruining that relationship. My kids were seeing their mom fall apart. Um, and worst of all, my son, when I got my first DUI back in Wisconsin, saw me get arrested. He happened to be right on the corner with his friends as I was getting arrested for um, being behind the wheel of a car. Mind you, the car was not moving and it was off, but I was still behind the wheel of the car with the keys in, which is illegal and obviously an intent to drive was there. Norma experienced times of sobriety, only they didn't last. At one time I had five years of sobriety, um, and then um, I think I got, no, I don't think I got, I I became very complacent in my sobriety. Um, I remember it very clearly the day that I fell off the wagon, so to speak. At that time, I owned a cleaning business, and I was mopping the floor of this customer's house that I'd cleaned a million times. Um, He had alcohol in the corner that I'd seen a million times. Ironically, I was watching um, um, a talk show. I think it was uh, uh, Ellen, and she was interviewing Rob Lowe on his 25 years of, of sobriety, and it's just so weird, and it's so crazy how tricky and manipulative and, and um, I don't know, unassuming this, this, this disease is because I'm watching all of this, should be reveling in, yeah, I got five years too and that's so neat. But instead, my mind went, I think I could have one drink of vodka and as I'm cleaning someone else's home, um, 
I poured myself from their liquor a glass of vodka, and that was all it took. And for the last six years, it's been an up and down battle. Um, I've had four months here, three months, seven months. Um, yeah. Well, this very last time, I had a really bad car accident. Um, I totaled my vehicle. Um, I sorry, I hit a car in front of me. And nobody else was hurt, but, and I don't, sadly, I don't remember any of this because I was in a blackout. Um, but apparently, the driver of the car in front of me had taken out a baby car seat, and I just became a grandma. And um, when my husband told me this, I just, I would never live with myself. It's one thing if I hurt my own self, but to hurt someone else and Thankfully, there was no baby in that car seat, but um, that was kind of the realization that this is just enough. It's just enough. The next time, it'll be somebody else. That's when she checked into the Avera Addiction Care Center. And we all knew that if I didn't go right then, I wouldn't have gone. I wouldn't have gone. So quite honestly, to me, that is the start of my recovery program, without a doubt, because it was such a holistic approach. Um, it offered so much more than I ever imagined. While getting treatment, she learned how her thoughts led her into relapse. You know, they always say that this disease is cunning, baffling, and powerful, and it is. And for me, you know, I, I remember people saying that um, after treatment, you know, that they'd have cravings. And I always thought of a craving kind of like, oh gosh, I, somebody talks about a candy bar, I crave chocolate. I mean, that's your mouth. And so I'm like, oh, I've never had a craving. Um, well, it was more explained to me at Avera that a craving isn't that. A craving is when our mind starts to think about it and we start kind of almost obsessing about getting that drink or having that drink, even though we may not even be desiring it. Um, but anyway, so how the relapse, I, I don't know how to really explain it, just that it can hit you, these thoughts can hit you at any moment. It doesn't matter. I, I remember having the thought when I fell off this, this last time right before my accident, I was sitting at my job having a great day Nothing was wrong. I wasn't angry, lonely, tired, none of it. Um, and all of a sudden, just this little voice was like, wouldn't it be great to have a drink right now? Wouldn't that be fun just to feel that buzz? And then I, you wrestle with yourself, and I'm like, no, I don't want that buzz. But then the other part of you is like, yeah, you kind of do. And it would just feel good to just go, Ugh. And pretty soon, you find yourself following that craving and thinking, yeah, I could have just one, it'll be okay, and I won't go back. But the thing is, this addiction, this disease, is so powerful that you do, you do follow that voice you shouldn't, and you have that drink, and sadly, you can't just have one. You have one and two and five, and pretty soon, you are right back where you, where you left off the last time. You feel like you're a failure. Um, you feel like, why can't I get this? What's wrong with me? Um, 
just, and, and you're ashamed, and you're, you're sad, you've let your family down again, and you've, you've let everybody else down, and you forget too, you know, you left yourself down, and, and it's just, there's so much with it. Norma says she is telling her story in order to make a difference. That's one of the reasons that I'm doing this with you, is because I feel like the more that I am out there and accountable, and if I can use this ugly disease to help somebody else, it will help me stay sober as well. Um, But what's different is um, I'm done. My life is, I I know I'm crying, um, but my life is so much better now, just in this, this time of recovery again, and it's just, I've made up my mind. It's, it, I'm not, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to use the tools I've been given. Um, all the other times I hadn't because I didn't want to be talked out of it this time. And I have used my tools, actually, this, this, this um, sobriety period that I've had now. There have been times, um, in, in fact, three, two, two times when I was just feeling really, really sad. Because when you're not using you are feeling feelings that you used to cover up with your your drug of choice, and then you didn't have to think about it. Um, So I'm learning how to, it's okay to feel those feelings. And ironically, even like after the moments of being sad or just the the last one I had, I was just ticked off at the world. And I didn't even really know why. I was just angry at everything. And um, but you know what? You work through those feelings. You have people that can help you get those through those feelings. And as, as weird as it sounds, when you get done, you feel so good. Even though you were so sad like 10 minutes ago, you worked through it and you're like, yeah, this feels good. And what's different is, um, I don't know, that car accident, I, I just, that hit me. And um, I have too much to live for. And um, it's time to make a difference in a good way, in a good way. According to Norma, the Emily's Hope Scholarship she received made a big difference in her recovery. It made a huge difference. Um, And one of the reasons was, was because um, when you're in treatment, you're thinking about, well, your main goal should be all you do is think about getting better and learning what you need to learn and doing what you have to do. Knowing that I was able to get um, a scholarship helped me not to have to worry about the things that were outside. You know, in my situation, it was help help me to use uh, help me to pay a couple bills uh, that were substantial that was that that I had while I was in treatment. So I didn't have to worry about that. It gave me the ability to just focus on what I needed to focus on while I was there. And I know that other people who've received it too. It was huge. It it was a you know, we oftentimes have finances that, that sadly get into the way of the things that matter. And so having that free, um, freed up and not have to, to think about it was, was huge, huge. Um, receiving the Emily's Hope Scholarship was um, an immense gift. Um, and while, I, you know, there were different um, variations of the scholarship as far as the amount of money that people can get. You know, um, the amount that I got was um, so amazingly helpful um, because while I was at treatment, the one thing that you should be thinking about while you're at treatment is that focus needs to be on how am I going to get better. 
Um, and so with the Emily's Hope Scholarship, I was able to not have to think about the bills that were outside waiting for me um, or needing to be paid while I was there. Um, that scholarship allowed me to breathe easy and go, okay, I know I have those bigger bills that I needed to have paid. They're taken care of. So while I am here, I can just completely and totally focus on my recovery. So receiving, you know, Emily's Hope Scholarship was huge. It was huge. And I know that for others receiving that same scholarship, it was also huge to them too, because they too were able to focus on the reason that they were there. Um, when I was in the Avera Treatment Center, and um, I'd have to walk past Emily's um, picture every day, and next to her picture is her paint palette. There were a couple different things that I just remember that touched me so much. First of all, I remember looking at her picture and reading a bit of the story um, and thinking of my own kids. She's my kids' age, um, and I can't imagine um, a loss like that and she was a beautiful beautiful girl and I remember just looking at it every time I, I went past but the other thing that I just loved was her paint palette and her brushes were in there and I just I don't know I looked at that all the time and I thought oh the stories this this palette could tell and the the things that she painted with that with that paint palette and a part of her was there you know and um, I just I was, I thought it was cool that you allowed it to be there because quite honestly, I probably would have been more selfish wanting to keep that to my own self because it was such a precious thing. But yeah, I just, it, it touched me. I didn't know anything about Emily's story before I got there. Um, and I guess what, what, what it did too for me was I didn't realize there was such a, an issue even with our younger kids and this stuff is going on. I'm pretty naive, I guess, um, because, well, I think I'm kind of naive all the way around because I didn't know much about alcoholism before I became an alcoholic, for one. I mean, I just was oblivious to it all. But, you know, reading her story and seeing her, her picture and everything, I guess it also made me realize that this is so real and it's hitting people at all ages and um, we need to change, we need to, uh, people need to be educated. Now, instead of drinking, Norma runs, including half marathons. Yeah, um, running is absolutely a part of my recovery, um, and I can tell when I don't run, but I absolutely love running. Um, and I actually didn't start running until probably four or five years ago, and, uh, and I can tell when I don't um, because I am not, it helps me mentally, uh, physically, emotionally, um, helps with headaches, it helps with my recovery um, because it's, it helps um, offset I mean, at, I, when I run, I, I, it gets the stress away. I, I'm not, you know, I, I don't struggle with feeling as sad as, as days when I don't run. I can tell. It's a complete game changer for me. Um, the other thing, too, which is really cool about running, and I know this might sound a little hokey, but when I run, especially half marathons, um, when I get to the really hard miles, like the 9, 10-mile mark, um, 
it's tough. And then at 10 miles, you know, you can go, I've only got three left, but they're the three hardest miles ever. And I have on many occasions related that last three miles, and this is true, true fact, to my recovery. Um, it hurts and it's hard and um, it's mentally and physically challenging. But, and I never get a runner's high like people talk about. I feel kind of like bummed that I don't because I don't know what that's like. But I will tell you, every single half marathon that I have ever done, that last three miles is tough, but you cross that finish line. And I, every time, get choked up emotionally. And, um, and I think it is because, A, our bodies are amazing things. Um, and getting through those three really hard miles at the end and you cross and you go, I did it. This really sucked at times and it was really hard, but you know what? I did it. And so, yeah, it, it, it does play a huge part of my recovery because um, with recovery, you have challenges and it's not an easy road. And, you know, sometimes after you get sober for some time, you're kind of in a little honeymoon stage and everything's rosy. And then pretty soon you're past that and things get really, really tough. Um, you have great days and sometimes you have really, really bad days and it, it hurts and it sometimes physically hurts and emotionally hurts, just like running. Um, it hurts. It's an emotional game. It's a, it, well, let's take that back. It's a mental game and it's a physical game. But you know what? You cross that line, just like when you're in your sobriety, you cross that line and you can say, I did it. Norma says sharing her story also helps in her recovery by reducing the stigma surrounding addiction. It's important to share my story because for years, um, it brought me shame and it brought me, um, pain and misery. And I used to think, God, why did you make me have this disease? And I kind of sat in kind of a self-pity mode. And I have changed my perspective. I, um, I don't want to be sad and, and I'm not a failure. Um, I want to use my disease for good. So it doesn't have to be bad. Um, it can be good. I can use this for good. And I want to share this because I want people to know, A, there is help and there's hope and you can have an amazing life and you can um, get out from underneath this. Will it be a part of my life forever? Yes, absolutely. It's not ever going to go away, um, but I am in remission. And um, I, I just... I want people to know there is help out there and don't be afraid to reach out and don't let money stand in your way. There are places like Avera that there are things like Emily's Hope Scholarship that you can utilize. Um, don't, don't let anything stand in your way. Get the help and I want to be a voice. I want to use it for good and I want to speak out and I want to educate people and I want to do whatever I can because we can make a difference. You know, Angela, you said this one time to me, you're just one voice. But you know what? Just, just today in talking, we said this too. But we have lots of voices together, and lots of voices can make a huge change. Well, I want to be a part of those lots of voices. How is your life better now? 
It's amazing. Um, my husband could go hunting like he is today and not worry about whether or not I'm at home drinking or worse yet, am I drinking and getting in my car to go get some more. Um, he can go and, and have that freedom and that makes me feel good. So your relationship Absolutely. Uh, go ahead. You're a better wife, mother, I mean, yeah. grandmother. Absolutely. Absolutely. And when my daughter calls me with my little buddy on the other line, she doesn't have to worry about, you know, when they're FaceTiming me, is she going to get mom who's drunk and talking to her grandson or mom who's doing her, doing what she needs to do and and making her life better. And, you know, and my work has been better. My mind is clearer. That's the one thing, too. All of a sudden, it's like um, I have more clarity of thinking. And that's awesome. Um, just everything's better and I'm better and I'm learning to love myself and the other thing too that um, I like is I get to wake up in the morning and I don't feel guilty or because you know you do when you when you drink and you wake up and you go oh man I did it again you know what I don't have that anymore it's just better all the way around I think the biggest thing though is that when you're sober you can learn the things that you need to do to start loving yourself. And I think that's what happened when I was drinking. Drinking doesn't allow you to love yourself or to do the things you need to do to love yourself. Um, I'm loving myself now. Thank you for joining us for the latest episode of Grieving Out Loud. If you're enjoying these podcasts, please consider leaving a favorable review. For help and hope, just go to emilyshope.foundation. Wishing you faith, hope, and courage.